0: Well, good morning. Gosh, we're continuing our series, our third week today in the Thankful series, and our gathering is definitely not what we thought our gathering was going to be like, what we had planned like it to be today. Um, first, though, I'd like to just mention that there's been changes, changes to what's what's happening that here. Then last week, our governor issued a proclamation that that brought some changes with it and new restrictions. But she used language that churches should implement reasonable measures under the circumstances of each gathering. And so we've been we've been doing that and and every day, so what we were considering on Tuesday, what we were considering on Wednesday, what reasonable measures, and not because we're, that the governor is is our savior, or the governor is our God, but because as Jesus being our savior, as God being our God, we do want to obey those who are in authority over us, and the governor of our state is a real authority over us, will not be our ultimate authority, but will be an authority over us, and we want to be in step with her leadership as well. And so, so seeking what it meant to be uh, reasonable measures under the circumstances of, of each gathering. Uh, when multiple people in our church and our community also tested positive for COVID at the during last week, over this last week, um, what it meant to have a reasonable gathering under the circumstances meant gathering online and, and gathering online Today, I think, gathering online next Sunday on November 22nd. So, so we really are actively working, planning, hoping that we will be in person for our gathering on November 29th as we wrap up our thankful series, and then as we step into Advent over the next weeks, uh, we really hope to do that and to fight for that being done in person. So I realize, though, I've, I've heard from from several people in the church that uh that just about the policies of requiring masks or not requiring masks, encouraging masks um, uh, for the duration of our gathering, other people in the church are desiring a lot more freedom and that being a personal choice. um, Man, it's clear that feelings have been hurt on both sides by some people feeling hurt and not heard and not understood and then, um, man, I also feel like there are a lot of people in the church who also aren't feeling super passionate about it. Some people are, and some people aren't, but there are people who who are saying, man, if uh, masks are required, I will wear them. If they're not required, I might not wear one, but it doesn't seem to affect some people in the same ways that it's affecting other people, and so I just want to let... Uh, our church know, let us all know that I really do value hearing from you. Your voice matters. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to us, to our church. You matter to me. And so, um, man, I just plead with us, no matter where we're at today, wherever today has us with our thoughts, wherever today has us with our desires, with our passions, I do plead. I I really want to plead with each of us to resist divisiveness like really resist divisiveness show your kids show your nieces and nephews show your friends that uh, that we are intentionally and purposely resisting the culture and the just what feels like the air of our age being divisiveness let's resist that with every fabric of our being let's resist criticizing without cost it can be so easy to to post something, to say something, to text something, to tweet something, um, and to just be like, well, that's the way I view it, and not be really considering the way that that we are interacting with other people in our community, the way that our words are affecting other people in our community. And so, man, I just say, like, let's premeditate and maybe even pre-schedule posts about love. Let's premeditate forgiveness. Let's place such a huge value on incarnational ministry, which is not from a distance lobbing grenades at each other. Jesus didn't do that for us. Jesus had, the way that he approached ministry to us was incarnational. If you aren't familiar with that word, it just simply means in the flesh. That Jesus actually cared to be with us, to to become flesh, and to, to move into our neighborhood, and to be close to us. And, uh, and he valued so much coming in the flesh. And what we're doing this Sunday doesn't feel like incarnational ministry because we're, we're digital. We'll be digital next Sunday as well. But man, what I really wanna encourage all of us is to fight to be in the flesh. Fight to be present with each other incarnationally in the flesh uh, and to, to commit to this. And I just want to ask, like, would you follow me as I prayerfully, as as we hope that that God would give us direction to lead us through the minefields of this season, through this together, to go through this together, and not just thriving, but hopefully not just surviving, but hopefully truly thriving. Man, we've been seeing Jesus save people. I. I hope that he's not done working in that way in our church, even in 2020, that even yet this year, we may see more people who are added to the church because they have given their lives to Jesus. And so so before jumping into this next section of our thankful series, um, I know I've been talking into this a little bit, but I just wanted to bring front center into our minds, John 17. John 17 is known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. In some ways, it's like the last words of a dying man um, who is victoriously volunteering to give his life so that we can have life and freedom and thrive here. But these are some of his last recorded words, and they happen to be a prayer between the Son and the Father, which is incredible that it's even recorded for us. And in this prayer, he's not mincing words. It's amazing to read all of John 17, but um, this is not our main focus to today. So uh, so we'll move into verse 20 of John 17. And this is what verse 20 starts saying. Jesus says to the Father, I do not ask for these only. So he's been praying for his disciples, praying for those that he's been pouring into through crazy circumstances over the last three years. He's been praying for them, but now he says, I don't ask for these only, I'm not only praying for these people, but I'm also praying for those who will believe in me through their word. And we can say, by extension, he's praying for us because we are ones who have heard the word and have believed. And this is his prayer. And I mean, this is he could have prayed about a million things and this is how he is having the climax of John 17 coming to his prayer. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our relationship to each other, our relationship to God together is going to show people that truly the Father sent the Son. Look at verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Plural. That they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Jesus prays for our unity in his final hours. He desires each of us to be so united. Get this. This is this is like, I haven't read it this way before. But Jesus desires each of us to be so united that we resemble the type of unity experienced inside the Trinity. If you think the bar has just been raised in what we should be experiencing in 2020, you are right. You are very right. The bar has been raised. Imagine that. Eternally, the three persons of the Trinity have enjoyed a passionately peaceful relationship A relationship that is so beautiful that Jesus's heart is that he desires that a huge way that we would experience what he experiences inside the Trinity. Are you catching this? Jesus's heart is what he experiences inside of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He's like, I hope that the way that they love each other, those who are followers of mine, the way that they love each other, that they would experience what we're experiencing, that they may be one even as we are one. And man, I would just say walking with Jesus for 23 years now, which is, when I say that out loud, I don't think I'm that old, but um, walking with Jesus for 23 years now, being a pastor for 10 years now, I honestly, without hesitation, can say that in my lifetime, this year, 2020, has been the most polarizing year that I've ever experienced. A year where the default is disunity. The default seems to be divisiveness, and it feels like it has happened uh, so much that it just feels like the way that it is. I've never, never, ever in 23 years of walking with Jesus and 10 years of pastoral ministry, I've never prayed so much for unity in a church, unity in our church. I've never had so many conversations where the center of the conversation is connected to disunity inside the body, conversations about unity. And uh, man, I think most of us feel like we could have unity if that other person changes. We could have unity if... Um, the policies change. I can have unity if this person starts talking this way. I can have unity if this and this. And man, my, my hope for us all, truly every one of us, is that we believe that God is in the business and is on the move changing each of us, discipling each of us, showing each of us how to move towards each other, showing each of us how to hopefully say amen to Jesus's prayer in John 17. Through forgiveness, through asking forgiveness, through fighting for each other, through dying to ourselves for the good of the body, through actual biblical conflict conflict resolution, which we'll talk about more in the weeks ahead too, I feel like is such a massive opportunity that the Lord, I think, is going to disciple us, not just our church, but probably so, so much of our world and believers in our world who are learning conflict resolution in very new ways and how revolutionary it is how Jesus instructs his people to walk out conflict resolution that brings us closer together and not separate us for a lifetime. So, um, man, because Jesus is a center of our community, I'm, I'm hoping that he's going to disciple us, that he is going to use this moment to really change us and, uh, and that our church is much deeper, our church is much more genuine, and our church is more centered on Jesus than we would have ever been if 2020 was just a peaceful year. And so uh, let me say this too, that I've become increasingly convinced that one way that we see where our hearts are is by seeing where our feet are. And that might have, like, I didn't expect he was going to say that. So let me say it again. Um, one way that I think that we can see where our hearts are is by seeing where our feet are. So if, uh, if I tell you that uh, Hannah and Silas and Grace and Patty and I that, like, man, we're, we're really united as a family, we are, we are really close to each other as a family, and you're like, okay, let me track your feet, and you actually put like a GPS thing on each of our ankles for like a week, and then you come back and you're like, okay, I know you said like your hearts are really united to each other, but over the course of the week, 95% of all of your time, you were in, in different rooms, doing your own social media thing, doing your 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 own thing, and you weren't around each other physically. I just don't, I think your feet are showing that your hearts are, are needing, like something's needing to change. Like I would expect your feet would have been closer to each other if your hearts were closer to each other. And I know, I don't say that to, to try and be polarizing. I say that for all of us, for me too, to say like, I want my feet to be lined up with where I want my heart to be. And and man, that could um that that could mean like if somebody posts something, if somebody says something, if if um you catch wind of something, and it's like, man, I I don't know if I can be close to that person anymore. If your GPS thing on your ankle shows you go to their driveway. <laughs> And maybe you're careful with the wind direction, you stay t- even 20 feet away from each other, you roll down your window, and you just have a conversation because of what your heart is, is I want to be close to this person. I want our love for each other. I want us to be formed together where we're actually experiencing some of the love that the Trinity experiences. And if people are like, hey, what were you doing in that guy's driveway? And you start sharing it and it's like, oh, God must be real. <laughs> What those guys preach must be real because I would never go to that person's driveway and do what they did. Like, that's just crazy. Uh, there must be something else going on. And it's like, yes, it's the Holy Spirit that is developing Christians in each of us who are really walking with him. And so, so man, I, I know we're going to be online for the next couple of weeks, but let's not isolate. I know we're going to be online for the couple of weeks, but let's fight for our feet and our hearts to be lined up, and that might take a lot of conversation, that might take more conversation than we've had up to this point, but what my heart is, is that we might look back in the rearview mirror and said, because we fought for our feet to be where we want our hearts to be, that it actually led to really contextual, great for this area, understanding where we're at and understanding like how we can all walk together in hopefully like a beautiful way that we wouldn't have gotten to if 2020 hasn't taken us to this place. And so, so man, let's uh, step into that. But what I want to go to, and it, it totally connects to this, is, uh, is another huge area to be thankful for that actually lets us live this out. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time in Matthew 28 being thankful for the presence of Jesus. Man, we're all like totally sunk if we do not have him present with us as we walk all this out. He is not present with us as we go through all the disappointment, all the cancellations all the frustrations, all the fatigue of 2020, that his presence, we have to hear from him about what he says about his presence that should give us enough thankfulness to fill our tanks and to give us passion to walk with him. So let's look at verse 18 of Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is right after the resurrection. And uh, I've been reading this biography on George Washington. I just realized, like, man, I don't really know very much about George Washington. So uh, this uh, there's a book by Ron Chernow, who he wrote the main biography of Alexander Hamilton. And then after that, wrote one on George Washington And this biography is not messing around. I looked and it's 901 pages about George Washington. Uh, This morning I got to page 358, so I'm not even halfway through the book, but it's been really fascinating. uh, So much that I didn't know about Washington. And one of the things that was really striking to me was how for, for quite some time, Washington didn't have a lot of power as he was kind of working through the military ranks. He was actually trying to be a British officer for quite some time, but they didn't consider people on the other side of the pond to be legitimate British officers, even though that's what he was trying to do. And that kind of led him down a path and all this stuff. But then he eventually got to a place where he had authority, for the army, for the military of what was becoming the United States. He ultimately got to the place where he had that authority. This was well before he was president. He had the authority. And even you you see this in the Revolutionary War period even, that the fact that Washington had sole authority, there's a battle at at Monmouth where where, um, it was just chaos. It was hot that day. Uh, General Lee had had basically lost courage, and and. Everybody was retreating. They didn't know what to do. And then Washington stepped on the battlefield with full authority and truly turned the tide of that. And many people argue that that could have been one of the key places that, that America was, was not destroyed. The idea of America wasn't destroyed was in Washington using his authority to stand strong. And for all, everybody looked at him when everybody was freaking out. And with his authority, he made calls that instilled courage in people and gave gave clarity to people on the direction that they should go. And so as I was thinking about Washington, this passage just is so much greater than that, even with Jesus making it clear, he has the authority. He has the authority to make the call. He has the authority to lead the mission. He has the authority over everything, every age, Every person, both in heaven and on earth, in the midst of the battle, he drives the mission. In the midst of the confusion of the battle, he's the one making the calls. Like, you know, during these great battles for our country and the independence of our country, Um, man, there were key calls that had to be made. And if every individual was making their own calls, and if every individual had their own mission plan, uh, there's no way that we would accomplish the things that were accomplished during that time period in the 18th century. And just today, with Jesus making the calls, with Jesus being the center, he can make the unifying calls that bring us together together in the fog of war that bring us together in those confusing times and can actually give us the courage and the clarity to be able to not just survive, but to advance and to really move forward in the peaceful, beautiful mission of God. And so with his authority, though, this is, he could have just said, charge! But with his authority, he says, I'm going to give you more details than charge. So the details start in verse 19. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I'll read that one more time. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. With His authority in the battle, the thing that we need to have is our focus starts in verse 19. Verse 19, we're to go. We're to make disciples of all nations, not just the people who are like us, not just people who think like us, not just people who talk like us. All people everywhere were available. We're, we're on mission. We're not burning bridges. We're forming them to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the incredible places in scripture where all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned in just one verse. It's very rare in scripture where that happens. And with his authority, he tells us we're to teach each other. We're teaching our community of him. He's gifting our church. He's gifting our community with teachers. We wouldn't know this without a deeper dive into studying the Greek grammar and syntax of these verses, but this passage is really interesting things are in, are interesting things are happening behind the scenes of this passage so the words go baptizing and teaching are all participles okay stick with me here the words go baptizing and teaching are all participles a participle a participle is typically not a command so you do, if you're going to command somebody, you're not going to throw down a bunch of participles. That's not going to be the form of the word you choose. You're going you're to choose an imperative, not a participle. So go baptizing and teaching are all participles. Make disciples is not a participle. Make disciples is the only word in the sentence that's, a, that's imperative. That's a command. So that's the only imperative in this passage is make disciples. What's the significance of that? What does this mean? It means as we're going into all the nations, as we're going, disciples are being made. We're we're growing, and they are growing. And as we're going maybe across the Atlantic Ocean, disciples are being made. As we're going maybe across the divide of masks and views of masks, People who have one view going to someone else who has another view. That as we're going, disciples are being made. All are growing as we're going. And then as we're baptizing people in our church, which we'll hopefully be doing really soon. We've had beautiful baptisms up up to now, uh, and we're hoping even in the weeks that we come back in person. Throughout the rest of 2020, we're hoping to have even more bapti- baptisms, and as we're baptizing, disciples are being made. As we're teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, we're making disciples. The command is to make disciples as these things are happening, as we're going, as we're going to people who are not, aren't like us, purposely, intentionally going, disciples are being made. As we're teaching disciples are being made. As we're baptizing, disciples are being made. We are growing. They are growing. Can you believe like that's his, with all authority, this is what I want you to know. Become a disciple. Make disciples. I think if on like January 1st, 2020, um, Jesus would have said, hey, I've got, you know, I can look into the future. There's a lot of stuff going on in 2020. Um, If you'd like I love you. If you'd like, I could put you into a deep sleep. I'll come back and like trim your fingernails occasionally, but I can put you in a deep sleep and you'll wake up in 2021 well-rested. Would you like that? Man, I think part of all of us would be like, <laughs> I would love that. Um, but if we know the authority of Jesus here and we, if we know that Jesus is using his authority to grow each of us, not just individually though, but in our commitment, in our love, in our unity in the church. Man, 2020 can be such a year of deep growth, not just for each of us personally, but for our church. Um, Man, like, I I hope that we would say um, no, like, I, I... with, with all that 2020 is going to bring my way, I and and man, with what Jesus is telling me, I need to be through 2020 so that I can become the disciple that he wants me to be for 2021. And uh, man, hopefully 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're discipling people in our area and people might say like, wow, what well, you just shared with me, like that feels really profound. Like, when did you learn that? And you could be like, Oh, that was in 2020 I first started learning that. And man, we wouldn't want to miss that. Several in our church didn't know Jesus as their eternal Savior in 2019. And it was in 2020 that Jesus uh, saved them. So now, though, what he tells us at the end of this verse is truly what should drive a thankfulness deep inside each of our souls to allow us to be thankful right now, thankful tomorrow, thankful even if the rest of our lives feels the same way that the last year has felt. look at what he says here and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love he starts this section by saying, and behold you know, it's like he like clears the table, and he's like, okay, whatever you're thinking about, whatever your mind might be thinking about something else, what you're going to do the rest of the day, I'm just going to start by saying, behold, (laughs) listen, okay, like, get this, check this out, behold, I'm about ready to drop something in your lap, behold, I am with you always, Jesus says, to the end of the age. There isn't one moment There isn't one anxiety attack. There isn't one hearing of bad news where he can't say, I'm with you. I'm with you always to the end of it all, to the end of the age. Um, Even this week, as there's just, this week felt like there's so much that happened, so many Interactions, so many things that happened based on the governor, and then so many things that happened where where I did have to stop several times and just be like, Jesus, you are with me. You're with us. Thank you. Like we're, we're not just sent to go this alone. Like you are like Washington was on that battlefield, sitting on his horse, and people wrote wrote in their journals that it was in looking to Washington that I had the courage to go because I could see the way that he was and the courage that he had and and that's just that illustration falls by the wayside when you compare the way that Jesus is with us compared to how Washington was with his troops, but the way that Jesus is with us is so much more power-giving, so much more intimate, so much more aware of our thoughts, So has done so much more for us and is going to do so much more for us. And I love that he says, I'm with you to the end of the age. You know what that means? Is that is the end of this age that then starts with us being with him in a different way, in a closer way, even closer than now, to be with him for our faith to be sight and for that age to begin will be a beautiful day when that goes. So so where where do we go from here? Well, hopefully we say thank you. Hopefully we're thankful to Jesus. One place that we go from here is I would just ask us, can you say amen to his prayer for unity? That word amen just it means like when you say amen at the end of a prayer, it's not like the the exclamation point or period. It's you saying I believe that to be an accurate prayer. I believe that to be true. I, I support that. So let it be. It is true what was said. And can you say Amen to His John 17 prayer for unity? And um and man, for us to 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 really lean into that, and for for us to ask the Lord, like, show me what that looks like. Teach me what that looks like. Another thing where we could go from here is, uh, can you say yes? to his authoritative command to us to be discipled. I, man, I, I I want, I don't want this season to crush me. I want this season to disciple me and for me to grow in likeness grow in the way that he is using us in our community, grow in our love for each other. I don't want to go through this unchanged or changed away from the church or away from discipleship or away from Christ-likeness. And I'm not gonna just try harder because that's a hamster wheel that leads to failure. What, what I want to do is say, Jesus, like, this is what you want for us is with your authority for us to be discipled even in a time like this because you are with us to the very end of the age. Man, I want the beating heart of every person who's a part of Sacred Mission Church to say, Yes. Yes, that is what I want. Do that. Empower that to happen in my life. Empower that to happen to the people that I love so dearly in this church, Lord. Yes, disciple us. And then can each of us just say thank you that he's with us, that he's with us through it all, through the end of it all, forever and ever, he is with us. And um, can you say thank you to that? And maybe. The way that you'll say thank you to that is by saying, you know what? For the first time, I really believe that. And Jesus, I'm yours. Thank you that you're with me. And my life is in your hands. I give my life to you, Jesus. You're my savior. And man, Like, let us know if you're trusting Jesus that way. We can celebrate with you, have you be baptized, It'd be a beautiful moment in the life of the church as people celebrate what the Lord's doing in your heart. For all of us, though, to say, like, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you're with my friends. Thank you that you're with my family. Thank you that, that you are with us on your sacred mission for us. Um, can we pray together? Lord, I just thank you that you are with us to the very end of the age. Um, and then I thank you that even at the very end of the age, that will be a new age where we are with you. And that will be a beautiful day when that begins. Um, Lord, I just I ask that just because we're gathering online the next couple weeks, would you show us just eminently creative ways that we can, um, that that we can be present with each other, creative ways that that we don't move towards isolation, but we move towards community, we move towards just uh, the church as your bride functioning as you intend us to function, Lord, with many parts all working towards one purpose as you call the shots. Lord, show us what that looks like. Give us just insight into caring for each other, loving each other. Lord, um, thank you for this extra time for many with families. Would that be a a fruitful time? Would you give creativity for us as families to to grow together? Lord, for those who are single and maybe feeling uh, loneliness, Lord, would you just give us insight to move towards each other and love each other and serve each other? Lord, we just give this whole day to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's stay connected. And man, thank you for being flexible, for for jumping into this digital gathering this week with a little notice. Uh, We'll plan to do this next week. And let's stay connected. I love you all so much. And uh, I'm thankful that Jesus is present with all.